0: men can count on. Contact Cordell, Cordell 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the -the off-the-glass, nothing but net and up and under networks. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. What's up, fellas fans? Welcome to another episode of The Bird Calls. And boy, do we have a lot to cover. It's been a wild night. You'll have to excuse me. I'm your host and contributor to thebirdrights.com, Preston Ellis. And today we have our full squad starting with editor-in-chief, Mr. Ali Cosell. Ali, I'm hopping right into questions with you, sir. This is from Clint White. He says, have you enjoyed the increase in traffic and sub- subsequent workload and that this saga has brought? How are you feeling with all of this increased attention to New Orleans right now? I am dead.
1: It's it's Friday, of course, so everybody after a hard uh, work week is going
0: to feel. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell and Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell and Cordell. We're a partner, men can count on. Contact Cordell, Cordell.com. 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404.
1: Like this, but this is I've never felt anything like this. You know, I've been covering this team for I want to say like eight, nine, ten years. Not in earnest with the bird rights, but overall. And I swear to God, and I, and David Grubb and I we've been we've been joking about how it's just been it's been nauseating to the point where you're just exhausted. You want you want to stop talking about it, but yet here we are. Dell Demps gets fired today, so we, we're not allowed to stop. The, the New Orleans Pelicans are center stage right before the All Star break. Thank you to Anthony Davis, but still we've got to talk about it.
0: Yeah, and the news cycle just doesn't stop because every day there's something new to talk about in regards to this this circus. And I myself said, I know Ali Cosell was in front of his computer for a long time. I think I stared at my computer screen for over four and a half hours today, uh, all, all things combined. Uh, next up, another hardworking man contributed to the Bird Rise in Crescent City Sports. It's Etwan Moore's mortal enemy, Mr. <laughs> David Grubb. It's going on? <laughs> You
2: give me this the the meanest title. <laughs> Everything every time I get a title, it's always about something that I hate or like. <laughs> David,
0: why you gotta be so negative? I know I'm well, not I- the grumpy uncle. I tried to give oh. you a positive spin on a question a few weeks ago, and you just—it it totally uh, threw you through a couple. <laughs> so I, I need to keep you in your lane, and keep you what you're good at. Uh, let's dive All right in. Let's let's get in on this. I'm gonna start with Grub. I don't think we've seen anything quite like what Pelicans fans have been forced to endure this week. After heading to the locker room last night with a shoulder injury, Agent Rich Paul and Anthony Davis left the Smoothie King Center midway through the third quarter in full view of cameras, according to Ramona Shelburne. Owner Mrs. Gail Benson was livid at the scene. Paul and AD reportedly communicated this information with Dems, but no one bothered to let Alvin Gentry know about it. And he was clearly miffed about it after the game. He said, I want to talk about the guys who won. Grub, what do you make of this entire scene? It was it was awkward, strange, real.
2: befuddling. I mean, like, Ali and I were walking together. It's You know, we sit next to each other at every game. And when the first footage came of they be leaving, that was surprising because we didn't know, you know, why he was leaving. Because typically when somebody goes to get an MRI, it's the day after they get hurt. It's not the night of. So that was very strange to us. Well, then after the game, when you go downstairs, we're walking towards the locker room and Mrs. Benson and um, uh, Alvin are having a conversation and it looks not intense, but there's clearly focus. They're neither one of them seems happy. And all of a sudden, when they saw us approaching, then it, they realized people may be listening, and it got abruptly cut off. So then you go through the whole thing with Alvin. You go in a locker room. Drew Holiday tells you that they didn't know, the players didn't know until right before the buzzer sounded to start the third quarter, and Anthony wasn't coming out. So when all of this comes into context, and, and after what played out today, it just shows... the the levels to the dysfunction within the the organization and why this is not just about the Anthony Davis saga. This is just, it's about the culmination of nine years that didn't work. And it just, to watch it crumble in front of you in this way, to be behind the curtain where no one else is really there except the media and the players and the personnel, it just was very strange. It's like witnessing a car wreck um, and its aftermath but not really being able to understand why these two cars hit in the first place. And here's yeah.
1: another thing it wasn't just dysfunction to us, I thought, David. We walked mm-hmm. down, we were going to our usual spots, talked to Alvin right outside the locker room, and Gail Benson never, and I mean never, is with her troop. And she was there with Greg Benson. I think Dennis yep. Lassler was there, all the upper yep. management. And they were talking with Alvin outside of the locker room. Gail. Her thing, if you guys don't know, she always comes in, goes to the locker room, talks to the players, maybe the coach, for a few minutes, and she's out, she leaves, she's smiling, all that. They were literally just waiting outside the uh, locker room, and David and I and Kumar, we had to wait to pass by them for at least a few minutes, because they were earnest in conversation. This never happens, guys. So we immediately knew that something was up, that something was definitely awry, that nobody expected, obviously... Anthony Davis left early, that it all had to deal with that that being the center of the topic. And as we are now learning, that's exactly what it was.
0: Ali, let's keep going with this line of thinking. Um, obviously, this is a convenient time for many reasons to let go general manager Dell Dems. It's the all-star break. It gives the organization some time to collect themselves. Uh, they can send Danny Ferry to the all-star game to possibly recruit uh, a replacement general manager full-time. Of course, Danny Ferry was dubbed the interim general manager, and we'll discuss a bit later whether or not he'd be a long-term potential candidate. But before we get to all that, Dell Demps is fired the night after all of this transpires. How closely linked do you think this event of Anthony Davis leaving in the third quarter is to Dell Demps being fired now?
1: One hundred percent. There's no doubt in my mind. They were always going to be intertwined. Their fates. We all knew this even two years ago when um, the organization was really leaning towards of getting rid of Dell Demps. You know, he had just traded for DeMarcus Cousins, and everybody thought, hey. He landed them. They didn't finish the season like anybody wanted to. You know, I mean, they missed out on the playoffs weeks before it was a final, uh, you know, before the playoffs happened. But everybody always felt like Del Demps was teetering on the edge and everything I've heard that he was. Right. So he gets a contract extension after that great year last year. And they were simply not able to build off of that. So Del Demps was always in a precarious situation. Everything was always tied to of course, to Anthony Davis. And when you've got AD suddenly going off the lam, doing what he wanted to, granted he was pushed, no doubt in my mind, between his father, between Rich Paul, between the Lakers, between whatever the guy even wants, whatever's sitting in between his ears, it all boils down to the fact that Del Demps was sitting, g- going to be in the crosshairs. And that's what we saw last night. Del Demps was supposed to see the season through. Just like Anthony Davis, his trade request was never supposed to become public, at least until the end of the season. Um, The Pelicans were supposed to have the leeway, supposed to try and make the playoffs throughout this entire course of the year. Anthony Davis always pounded this hammer. So did the uh, the Pelicans' front office and Dell Demps. And yet that all changed when Rich Paul probably forcibly pushed Anthony Davis to make that stand about 10 days before the trade deadline. And of course, by then, you know, if you're looking at it from the Pelicans point of view, the upper management, Gail Benson, you know, that was set in the motion. And then the fact that everything that transpired afterwards, you've got Alvin Gentry solely coming out to us in uh, the media after games, after practices, no statement, not once by anybody in the front office it, it, it just grew up to be such a problem that there is true dysfunction. We've got to move on. I mean, Preston, th- this killed me the other day, Les, who uh, David knows very well, works for Crescent City Sports, is begging Alvin Gentry to pass along a message after practice to the front office. We need some answers. Can you please pass along? Because we have nobody else to give it to because nobody else will meet with us. So, <laughs> I mean, that that's terrible, right? That's the worst look possible when Anthony Davis has been obviously the number one story here in the NBA over at least the last month, really all season, if you think about it. I mean, ESPN, everybody got on this horse early. You know, Anthony Davis is once out of LA or once out of New Orleans, maybe to go to LA, whatever. But that story has been sitting there for months. And the fact that it's led up to this now, and then again, Alvin Gentry was the only one thrust before us. And even he admitted I can't even answer half of your questions. I mean, what does that say about the organization? So they really almost had no choice at this point in time. You've got to let Dell Dems go. He already did his job. We got to this point. We got through the trade deadline. We trusted his contacts. Can we rely on getting that Godfather offer, which never came. We saw all the jokes that came out of the Los Angeles Lakers side. It was never, it never amounted to even really thinking about making a deal. So once we pass through that, and again, I think the situation deteriorated afterwards. You thought that, you know, Anthony Davis couldn't make it any worse, but yet somehow they seemingly did. He comes back, joins their li- or the lineup. The Pelicans suffered through their two worst losses of the year where they have established their worst field goal percentage in one game against Memphis. They established a low uh, point total and their worst loss of the year against Orlando. I mean, it has to fall on somebody at this point, guys. And so Dell Vance of course had to take the brunt of it. So I'm not surprised at all. It wasn't supposed to work out like this. Everybody, you know, will say that that's on the in the know, but there was no choice at this point for Gail Benson for the upper management to uh move on from this without there being serious recur- recur- uh, repercussions. So, I'm not surprised at all.
0: Well done, Ollie. Um And I do want to give a shout out to Alvin Gentry, regardless of what your opinions are of him as a head coach, for him to continue doing his job the way that he has and the manner that he has, while also serving as the White House press secretary, really, I think, speaks volume about his character and his level of professionalism. Speaking of character, I'm so glad that you're here, Grub, because I really want to ask you about the character of Anthony Davis. We've always heralded him as like the Tim Duncan type, the quiet leader who does it on the floor, by example, Uh, a guy who was said to always want to be in new orleans jordan crawford tweeted a few months ago that my dog really wanted to make it work in new orleans unfortunately it didn't now we're seeing little glimpses of behaviorisms that we haven't seen from him in the past do you call into question the character of anthony davis in terms of what we regarded it as just a year ago yeah and when you say character i don't want people to think that we're saying anthony davis is evil um the
2: character is judged in many ways and part of that is how you end things with someone um whether it's business or a personal relationship. And whenever you're playing team sports, it's a combination of both Uh, because, you know, teams walk around and say we're families and these are my brothers and we go to battle together. And then there's also that relationship that you have with the people who pay you. Um, We all have jobs that pay us and there are certain things that we're expected to do as professionals. And that was the key word that we are after uh, when AD finally spoke to the media, he said, I'm a professional and I'm going to handle this professionally. Well, we saw, we saw after that first game when he's back and he scored his 30 points in 20 minutes. And, you know, everybody's like, oh, well, look, he's gonna, he's gonna be great. You started to see the effort get more lackluster. You started to see that just the impact that it was having on the locker room. And then like Ali said, those two terrible losses, it was just becoming an untenable situation. And then the words that he was saying, I don't regret anything. And then behind the scenes, apologizing
0: to Mrs. Benson, saying that he didn't speak to her for a number of days All right, Grub. so you were saying that Anthony Davis didn't talk to Gail Benson for a number of days before ultimately apologizing. Continue with that line of thought.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, you know, to not speak to Mrs. Benson for days after you make the request, when that is somebody, you know, the owner is typically somebody you should be going to if this is the kind of decision you're making, um, and then having to apologize behind the scenes. Same thing with after the game last night. You don't notify the team, and then you send a text message to Alvin later to say, well, I went to go get an MRI with my agent. That's not how adults handle business. If you're going to leave, you tell, I mean, this is the stuff you, you tell your children. If you're leaving the house, make sure you tell someone. David, so a grown man,
1: yeah. David, this isn't even standard operating procedure for any NBA team regarding the, the level status of the player, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, this is, this is so beyond the pale, of just how people handle their business. And and no one that I've talked to outside of this situation has said that they've seen something play out this way. So that does, it does make you wonder, where is he mentally? Not, I mean, again, he's not a bad person, but he's doing some really stupid things right now. And ultimately the image, he could have left New Orleans and people, again, everybody understood. The organization messed up. You gotta go spread your wings, fly somewhere else, buy a little bird by. But you know, there's a way you leave. And now the feeling that he had, the feeling that the fans are gonna have towards him, that the city is gonna have towards him, they're gonna respect his talent. But it's a lot like the way Barry Bonds left Pittsburgh. They're always gonna respect your talent, but they will never look at you the same. That that they will never you will not be part of the family anymore. You were a visitor and, and, uh, instead of uh part of the family. And I think that that's a shame because this could have been an amicable separation and it turns into a really bad and messy. one.
0: Something that Grub mentioned that I want to follow up with you, Ali, uh, basically just that three months ago, if, if the Anthony Davis era were to come to an end, we would blame a good portion of it on Del Demps where we are now, Ali, how much culpability do you think is shared between both Del Demps and Anthony Davis that this era didn't, didn't become more fruitful for the Pelicans organization.
1: Preston, I want you to answer this because you wrote a beautiful article that I read. <laughs> and I'll help you edit it, but please, you answer this because you're you're absolutely on
0: point. Um, I I uh, I wrote about two thousand words on this today, uh, so it's going to be difficult to channel all of it. I think I could have gone for about five thousand. <laughs> But I, I think just based on the performance this season alone, uh, Del Demps obviously had his share of misses. And all of us can point to them. Solomon Hill, Omar Ashik, all of his first-round picks turned into some version of Quincy Pondexter, um, as well as Nikola Meretic, Omar Ashik. Uh, it's all in the paper somewhere where I have it all written down. Yeah, he he took a risk. He went with young veterans instead of building a young core of cost-controlled players, and it ultimately didn't work out. You can blame injuries to that. Uh, you can blame the fact that, and you can blame this on the the small market disadvantages that they were only able to sign free agents like Tyreek Evans, like Etwan Moore, like Rajon Rondo on a one-year three-point-three million dollar uh, minimum deal or or veteran minimum deal. But the point is. Dell Demps finally got to a place in 2016 and 17 where he finally did get a big fish with DeMarcus Cousins. It didn't end up working out. However, he pivoted and he got Nikola Miritich. All of a sudden the Pelicans go 21 and 11, a 4-0 sweep. They should have taken two games off Golden State, which is what no other team in the Western Conference could have said last year in my belief other than the Houston Rockets. You can argue to death Utah Jazz and the Oklahoma City Thunder last night, but the uh, last year. But the point is the Pelicans were playing tremendous ball and come into this season. And of course they swung and missed with Rajon Rondo and DeMarcus cousins and I was very critical of Dell Demps for that. He didn't call either of them reportedly on the opening day of free agency. However, he got Alfred Payton, uh you know, he he finds Kenrich Williams, he gets Julius Randle. The team suffers a lot of injuries, but we get to January at pretty much the exact same position they were a year ago. And for some reason throughout the course of this season, a top 10 defense that closed the season last year alongside first team all defender Drew holiday is suddenly 27th in the nba through january how does this come to pass obviously tim frazier is playing heavier minutes but i want all of you to argue does rajon rondo make this team that much better defensively than tim frazier does and that's another uh, debate that we can have for another time Uh, obviously he was the quarterback of the team the point is this was Del Demp's last shot. This was his last ride off into the sunset, his last opportunity. He was already a bit handcuffed and that the front office probably told him that he was going to be restricted in terms of what uh, parts of the future he was able to mortgage. But one thing that he needed just for the opportunity to make it work was a 100% buy-in from Anthony Davis mm-hmm. to be that leader that he said he was going to be this last August, to be the number one player in the league, to lead his legacy in New Orleans with all of his effort, And I don't think he gave anywhere close to that this season. Of course, he got the, yeah, uh, offensively, of course he's contributing the numbers, but just the other night, and I'm specifically talking about against the Orlando magic. And it's something that I pointed out on Twitter. He was just setting up his tent in the paint, was not attacking the perimeter on the defensive end at all. Gave Jonathan Isaac four or five open looks in the first quarter, failing to challenge him on any of these instances. And this isn't, this isn't a, a solo event. This isn't the first time that we've seen this from the Pelicans this season. Remember the Los Angeles Clippers scoring 77 points. A lot of that goes to Anthony Davis. Why do you think that all these teams are such fantastic three-point shooting teams? And it doesn't just go to Anthony Davis, but obviously the Pelicans needed a leader. They needed him to step up, and he has to share some culpability up for this with Del Dems. Please go ahead and add on, Ali. I'm, I'm talking to myself in circles. Yes.
1: No, you're absolutely right, and you've got to take it a step further. Honestly, mm-hmm. David and I attend almost just about every game, and we talk after every game. And it was no doubt with both the matchups against the Miami Heat, both here and away, Washington Wizards, uh, the New York Knicks, there were so many games that the Pelicans could have won, but they didn't because their superstar did not show up. We were lambasted publicly, and there was a lot more mm-hmm. than me because I didn't put myself on a ledge. But I completely agree with the fact that Anthony Davis wasn't Anthony Davis. Nobody wanted to talk about that. That was at the height of when Rachel Nichols was saying, Anthony Davis needs more help. Hey, Preston, you're grandstanding because Rachel Nichols is not always, always right, but he doesn't have enough help. Look at the previous history. Look at what's going on this year. Yet when he dissected it, offense was never the problem. It was always defense. And guess what? Anthony Davis was to be the guy that defends the rim. He's the last line of defense. Drew Holiday, bless his heart, can do all he can. But he's, you know, most of his dedication goes towards a guy on the perimeter that he's locked in on, whether it's a Paul George, James Harden. He's always tied to the best offensive player that the Pelicans face this year. But he doesn't provide that last line of defense that every good defense needs. That was Anthony Davis's role. And he did not come through. And the numbers supported it. When I looked, and this was a couple of weeks ago, but AD was not the same both in hustle numbers and the defender at the rim since really the start of the December. So he not mm-hmm. only did, did, does that indicate to me he checked out, it just indicates that everything fell apart well before anybody's willing to start placing some blame where they should have. So Preston, you're absolutely right. To raise that question, how much does Dell Dems own this? How much should we be actually attributing this to Anthony Davis? I mean, if you're a top five player, you should at least be in the playoff running. Look at what James Harden has done with his MASH unit in Houston. I swear, everybody thought they were ready to count them out. They had Chris Paul. He got hurt. Suddenly, James Harden is surrounded by a bunch of guys. They're well below 500 looking very much on the outside in on the playoff picture. And yet, what is he now? 30 games in on this stretch of incredible scoring, this incredible carrying a team. You can say the same thing with with Oklahoma City. You know, Russell Westbrook, Paul uh, Paul George. Uh, Even the Golden State Warriors have had their ups and downs with all their injuries. Anthony Davis, the Pelicans, have never made that charge despite whatever's been thrown at them to basically say, we still have this grade A talent, this supreme talent, and we can somehow overcome it simply because we've got this guy in the lineup. It never happened. So I don't want to say that I'm glad it's come to fruition, but at least it is pointing out some facts that has been necessary to complete the story. And like I said, David, I remember he went out on the ledge, Preston, you went out on this ledge basically saying, you know, we need to attribute some blame to Anthony Davidson. You guys were ridiculed for it. And it was wrong. It simply was wrong, and I'm not looking for anybody to all of a sudden say, I'm sorry to you guys or anything else, but the fact is Anthony Davis did not live up to the hype of being the most dominant player like he said he was, like we saw the guy close out last season. He was never checked in. After those four games to start the season in October, the Pelicans never looked right simply because Anthony Davis never looked right.
0: And I want to be clear about Uh, something. Oh, sorry. Um... Let me let me just take this for two seconds, David. Mm-hmm. I want to be crystal clear about something because I got a lot of ridicule for what I said to Rachel Nichols, and I never attacked her character. I never attacked her intelligence. I was only questioning her line of thinking that can you get Anthony Davis some help, that it's 100% always been my angle on this, that Anthony Davis wasn't doing enough, and that his teammates around him, while not perfect, should have put together a better string of wins than what they did at that point of the season. So I appreciate you bringing that up just to set that record straight because you're right. Uh, we all did share our bit of... Uh, ridicule at that point in time, go ahead, David. And then we'll bring in Kevin.
2: Yeah. Cause you know, the thing that bothers me is, you know, let we have to go really to me all the way back to the off season. And let's look at the last two off seasons, last off season, when you had, and then this is where I think the difference comes in. When you had Rondo and cousins together with that group and they went to Kentucky together to Lexington to work out together, the whole team basically went there as a group to work out. They had been doing the same kind of things in L.A. and all that. And then they all came to training camp, and there was already this sense of team, this sense of we're, this is what we're going to accomplish this year. you know. And this year coming in, there was none of that. Drew had been working with Frank Jackson, and there were guys working in pockets. But from the onset of this season, it felt like there were – like Anthony Davis, from his statements, he felt as if he had arrived which is a very strange thing for a guy who's won one playoff series to feel. And then coming into the season, like like Ali said, there's a lot of these stats and people were looking at the offensive numbers and be like, how can he not be the best if he's producing numbers? But you could see on a nightly basis that lack of effort on the defensive end. And we saw especially the clutch the clutch games. Last year, that record was so great. And this year, it's been so abysmal. Look at Anthony Davis' stats in those final five minutes. He's almost non-existent in close games this season. Non-existent. He wasn't scoring. He wasn't defending. He wasn't getting to the foul line. There was nothing that he was contributing then. But all that blame got heaped on the help and on Alvin Gentry. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a portion of this. But to not look at the best, supposedly this one of the top three, four, five players in the league and say you can't carry your team to a five-game winning streak at any point in the season. That, to me, is a problem on that guy because, like you said, Russell Westbrook is having one of statistically his worst, no doubt about it, his worst shooting year, not only of his career, but one of the worst shooting seasons in history, and he's still able to get his team to wins. You see guys with injuries who are out there fighting and competing, and then you see Anthony Davis leave not just last night's game, but games over the course of his career, games that other guys would have finished out. Games that when Demarcus Cousins says to you, give me your Achilles, and I will go out there and play. You have to know what you're getting. All these teams that want Anthony Davis, I understand why, but you better understand what you're getting too.
0: Uh now we welcome to the program Kevin Berrios. You can follow him at Kevin B for bounds. Uh, apologize if I didn't mention at DM Grubb and at Ali CoSell. Kevin, uh, something that we've been discussing at nauseum, and I think it warrants your opinion. How much has your perception of Anthony Davis changed in the recent weeks?
3: Um I think I think it's more of I've accepted what I've kind of known in the background um whereas you know I think one thing about Anthony Davis is I think he's always been a victim of being perceived as something that he wasn't and I think like when he came into the league we overvalued his uh, where he was defensively and undervalued where he was offensively and that's why you saw like a build where they put a bunch of offensive players around him that needed the ball and then they expected him to anchor the defense and then grow into an offensive player but he was actually light years ahead of where we thought he was offensively and he wasn't as good defensively as we thought he was and then um you know say you know so then there became the time where he started to really shine offensively anchor the defense. And then we thought he could make that jump as a leader and he just doesn't have that personality. You know, he's not, uh, he's, he's not a guy that you can count on to make the players around him better to lead the players around him. It's just not his personality. He needs another, he needs like a strong alpha with him. You know, we were early on, we were relying on Tyreek Evans to be that alpha male. And then we had, Rondo and we had cousins there and that sort of that's when we had our best season with Anthony Davis because he had these two guys that took that pressure off of him whereas now um, and I'm sorry if you guys have already said this I just joined in so I don't know what's been said already Um, but now you know it's clear that he doesn't have that that leadership role or that that strong-headed personality or even enough uh, gumption to look at his current situation and see how he's being played. Um, so the signs of this, of what he was, what he is, were always there, but we always had hope that he was going to grow and mature and become that. And now it just seems like it's inevitably never going to happen because even now when it, when the entire media around the nation is you know begging on what his representation has done for him um done to him and what he's allowed them to do he's still not fired his his manager and he's still rolling with this sort of um behavior and the and like doing stuff like leaving the arena or you know not holding press conferences not answering questions those sort of things and you know it's just Shows more and more of that. He's uh, easily, he's gullible. He's easily manipulated, and he's not. He's not the guy that you want leading your team. Um, and so now he's gone. I don't expect him to be back. Um, and so we can hand over the locker room to Drew, who it's not. He's also not a vocal leader, but he's a guy that's way more steadfast and. Definitely leads more by example and is definitely way more mature and won't be swayed by outside voices. So he's somebody that you can trust a little bit better in that situation. Um, But I think this team still needs another guy that's like a floor general leader and also a locker room personality.
0: Ali, Ramona Shelburne said that the MRI on Anthony Davis' shoulder showed a muscle, um, sorry, it's been a long day, a muscle contusion, but nothing too bad. He's going to head to Charlotte. He's going to get treatment over the next few days and see how he feels before deciding whether he can play on Sunday. Ali, after everything that's happened, do you think Anthony Davis can stomach going in front of national reporters and answering all of these hard questions before a celebrity pickup game?
1: I honestly don't care. When you say that it's nothing too bad, those were her words that came straight from Rich Paul, and I don't care what anybody says. That came from Anthony Davis's camp. Nothing too bad. And he left the arena early in the third quarter of a team that he still wants to finish out the season with, with a team that he supposedly has still a bunch of friends with, that he still has a commitment to. I really don't care, Preston. I mean, he, he made it known. We should have known he made it known when he requested that trade publicly on January 28th, but yet we always wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt, whether it was because, you know, clutch sports and rich Paul's in his corner that he's getting pushed into this, that maybe his dad is having an overriding amount of, you know, you know effect on Anthony that he's never truly stood on his own two feet. Irrespective of all of that. I really don't care. He has he has honestly sown the seeds, made his bed. He is entirely responsible for everything that has happened, has transpired as to where we are today. That is why Dell Demps is without a job. Anthony Davis and he's looking in the mirror and say, if he even cared one iota about Dell Demps, maybe seeing the season through. It's all on him. He chose to come out public. He chose ever since then. With everything. You know, that's what killed me. That Friday after he announced Mm -hmm. that trade request, he publicly came to us. He seemed like that innocent lamb even then saying, I did not request a trade. Nobody from my camp did. We definitely had no uh, intended targets like the Lakers uh, designated the Pelicans. We are at the whim of Gail Benson. (laughs) That was all bullshit. So it is hard to believe anything – that has transpired since, that has come out of his mouth, his camp, anything that we have cared about, any kind of legacy. I mean, he has tarnished it. That is that is what my biggest focus is. Six and a half years, he has voluntarily flushed it down the toilet. So if you want to ask me about giving him any kind of leeway, any benefit for doubt, you're not going to get it.
0: Kevin, uh, unfortunately, we've lost David Grubb. Thank you to him. He's been on the radio all day long, and he's heading there now again. Kevin, this is a I, – I think this is the first question we've gotten from Jeff. You can follow him at Dear Jeff. He says, if Anthony Davis doesn't play at the All-Star game, can we expect LeBron to wear an Anthony Davis jersey? I
3: mean, that would just be, like, the ultimate bitch move. Like, <laughs> it's, like such – like, I don't know. It's just like – it's like <laughs> – I made this joke before that, like, they're going to remake Mean Girls starring Rich Paul and LeBron James. And that's what, it's just so ridiculous, this, uh, man, I don't even want to really get into it. But, uh, no, uh, I mean, I don't think he could get away with that just because of already what's happening with the tampering situation and and Rich Paul and all this conflict of interest that's already going on. I mean, everybody's already calling his team, Team Tamper because it's all the free agents (laughs) <laughs> you know, they're going there so i mean i just if he does that then it's just a, a real like he's just sticking his tongue out at the league um and then you know they gotta do something i mean it's ridiculous that he his relationship with this agent and all the players that he controls and the power that he has you know throughout the league is is pretty absurd
0: Obviously, we've got a lot of questions in regards to Danny Ferry, a potential new uh, general manager with uh, director of basketball operations title associated with that. In case anybody hasn't heard, Mickey Loomis will remain in his role. However, the new general manager at this point in time, interim general manager Danny Ferry, will report directly to Gail Benson at this point in time. But before we get to all that, this is something that I think is more interesting, at least in the immediacy. Nola Flint, Ali asked, Has anyone gotten a read on Drew during all of this? Is he still all in on the team going forward?
1: Yes, he is. Since day one, when Anthony Davis made that request, AD didn't appear before us. It was Alvin followed by Drew Holiday. And Drew basically, you know, he was kind of speaking off the cuff, but you could tell it all came from the heart as to where he's not going to throw AD under the bus. But he was going to say, we're going to continue on with this. There's really nothing that's changed. So he took on this whole entirely new leadership role that he didn't really need to if he wasn't sold on the future, if this was a guy that wanted to go ahead and leave the Pelicans soon after AD's gonna leave town. Everything I've seen from Drew, his camp, says otherwise. This guy has an amount of pride that if you haven't learned by now from watching him play game to game, possession to possession, you're not gonna get it. But yet, I'm going to tell you about it. This guy's relentless. He is not going to give up. I don't care what you throw in front of him. He's had to deal with a wife that was facing a life or death situation, a daughter that probably might have not should have been born, um, a career that should have maybe ended with you know a leg, couple of leg surgeries that went awry, a plate that didn't react well. You know what was that? A, a metal stem rod, whatever you want to call it. It didn't react well, so they had to remove it. So that cost him another year. He's had nothing but setbacks. And yet for this guy to constantly always be positive, to react to this situation with nothing but the utmost of, Hey, we're gonna be fine. And it's not that he said, We're I'm gonna make sure that we do it. It's just he's always had that aura of where we're you know, things were gonna be fine that He was going to be able to lead through whether it's his play, his inspiration, which is what he does. He's not that guy that's going to be the type A personality to yell at you, like to say, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, who, let's face it, likes to throw people under the bus. He's not that type. He's just going to lead by example. And so you either do it, follow in his shoes, or you don't. So Drew did that from day one. He picked up when Anthony Davis refused to come out and talk to the media, when we had asked him after we saw him, Working out in the weight room, and he simply refused. Drew took it upon himself. I'm going to answer all these hard questions. He did, and he's done it ever since. He's always kept his head high. You know, these guys went on a great tear. That that that's been my favorite thing, Drew. So he he took this, this this leadership role, and the Pelicans played great without Anthony Davis. We faced so many playoff contenders during a stretch where it would have been very easily just to fold, lose by 20 points per game in every one of those matchups, but they didn't. We were down fighting within the last five, three minutes in every game. We beat Houston. We should have maybe had one or two more, but we didn't, but yet they were there. They never quit. And then Anthony Davis comes back and it all falls to shit, but AD or excuse me, Drew never changed his tone. And to this day, he hasn't. And from what I've heard, he's committed. He's committed to see this through. Uh, Granted, of course, he's got a longer contract than AD does with the organization, but, If you truly know what type of person uh, Drew Holiday is, it would never have been his speed anyways to ask out now. You know, when a tough kid's going, he doesn't leave. So um, I'm grateful to see him do this. I'm grateful to see that he is giving these young guys a chance because Kenrich, Jaleel, everybody in every locker room media session that we've had after every game has pointed to Drew as being that guy he's been leading by you know example you name it some words even though he's not the most outspoken guy like we all know he's been he's been the soul he's been the heart so you want to see that stay especially now after these three weeks of the most turbulent times that we've ever had and I don't care what happened with the chris paul situation this whole ad stuff has been a thousand times worse so I, i've got nothing but pride when I talk about drew Hoddy, nothing but I just want to see this guy stay here. And I want us to give every reason for him to stay.
0: Kevin, this is from the dominator. He says possible landing spots for drew. And this is the question that I want to pose to you. Obviously uh, with the way that he's been playing, the Pelicans could get another King's ransom from him for him and just build from the ground up. However, with the incoming general manager and director of basketball operations, with potentially uh, an, a newcomer at the head coaching position, depending upon the future of Alvin Gentry and his relationship with Danny Ferry or a possible incoming general manager this summer. How much say do you think? Obviously, the Bensons have been fiercely loyal to guys who have kept them, uh, who, who have treated them right. And we expect the same thing from Gail Benson with Drew Holiday. How important do you think it is to the Pelicans organization to not only keep Drew? but to make him a part of this process. Oh, I think it's,
3: it's vital. I mean, um, going back to all the hardships he's gone through, I mean, he's, he's survived two 10 years under John Iship as his trainer. So there, that's uh you know, that's remarkable right there. Um, but he also, uh, and I would say, instead of being the heart of the team, he's the gizzard, you know, he's the one that grinds it out and takes all the dirt and he uh, <laughs> processes it. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you look at – we started to see signs of this this offseason where he takes a guy like Frank Jackson under his wing and brings him out to L.A. and works out with his personal trainer. Then they hire his trainer to be a part of the the staff here. And, you know, his personality, his family, all of these things are things that are super marketable here. And I think it's a time to be excited uh, for him because, you know – Drew Holiday was an all-star at some point at one point in his career and he's borderline all-star now I mean I think he played well enough to be in an all-star game this year I understand why he's, yeah, not- he's a better player now than he was back then right, right. yeah he's definitely better and uh, now he's not in the shadow of Anthony Davis anymore maybe he can be more of a vocal leader because he may have been deferring to Anthony Davis who was the you know the poster boy of the organization but now he can be that guy And I think also he's looking at what the kinds of returns that are being talked about for Anthony Davis, where he's not going to have to suffer for very long. I mean, even if you take the New York package um, instead of like the Boston package, it should still get you in a spot where you're competing within, you know, competing for a playoff spot within a year or two, you know, it's not like he's, he's in Philly uh, during, during the era, you know, this is like, he's going to get real assets and some real players, uh, especially if, you know, you bring over a guy like Jason Tatum, uh, if we do the Boston package, which seems most likely will be the the case, I would think. Um, But, you know, you surround Drew with the first wing he's ever played with, but also you look at um, how how he has mentored these young guys, and that's something to be very proud of, and that's something that the organization should build upon. And I think I said this last uh, podcast about how, you know, if you're, you have guys like Kenrick, you have guys like uh, Frank Jackson who look up to him and want to follow in his footsteps. And, and he's unlike a lot of players in the league in the sense that he's so devoted to defense. And if you get guys like Jason Tatum and Al Horford on this team and Marcus Smart, then you have a bunch of guys that are also engaged in playing defense and value it. And then you're training all these young guys that come in on the importance of defense and you're you have something that no other team really has because we know the state of the NBA right now, defense is not looked as highly upon as offense. Um, But if you can get everybody buying into team defense and, and, and becoming good one-on-one defenders and knowing when to switch, you have an advantage over every other team you're playing because you, you throw a wrench in the system. And I think he's the perfect guy to bring that in there. And he's a guy that's so dedicated to his, fitness and his endurance that guys will follow that and we'll have a team unlike other teams and I think that's something um that is very marketable and it's something that would be very respected locally um and I don't see any reason why they would move off of that you know I don't think even any any new GM that would come in I think it would kind of be mandated that Drew is the man uh you know, I don't I couldn't see them allowing somebody to come in if their goal is to trade him.
0: All right, you guys, we're gonna do a bit of a speed round. It's getting pretty late tonight, and we still have 20 questions remaining, so 60 seconds or less on each of these. This is from contributing member to the com, Mr. Charlie Gonzalez. Thank you for writing in, sir. Ali, let's get dream trio from each of you for President of Basketball Operations, GM, and future head coach going forward. So obviously it wouldn't be President of Basketball Operations. The title uh, has been designated Director of Basketball Operations. Uh, I think Jeff Duncan posted that earlier today. Ali, go ahead. Who is your dream scenario for general manager and head coach?
1: I want Mike Zarin from the Celtics because I think that is the deal for the Anthony Davis trade uh, is getting Jason Tatum, their picks, some young guys. That is the best way to build around Drew Holiday. So if that is indeed what the new general manager wants to do is quickly rebound, which I've got to think, that's what the front office, or excuse me, that's what ownership wants because that's what tell, uh, Tom Benson always wanted. So Gail's going to kind of follow in those footsteps, keep the fans happy, that they're going to want to quickly turn this thing around. So Boston is the best deal. And you think Mike Zarin, who works under Danny Ainge, who is one of the smartest guys? He's he's looking for that next step, that he would be perfect. He he knows all the Boston's asses. He knows how to work with Danny Ainge. I think if he truly wants a general manager's job in this league, that he would not, you know, he would not screw over new Orleans. he would not have any personal biases, et cetera. So that's the guy who I'd want for the GM role. And then, of course, he would be able to keep Tatum all those other guys possibly longer in the sea. That's a big key deal that we've got to talk about. And I know I'm taking over more in a minute, but whatever deal the Pelicans make, they've got to try and hopefully ensure that these young guys that they bring in are going to stay. You know, we heard what happened with the Lakers. Lonzo Ball didn't even want to come to New Orleans. Kuzma, you had to figure, wanted probably to leave as soon as contract was up, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a big key. And as for the head coach, I'm honestly looking at a much more hardcore type of guy it has got more accountability, like say a Jerry Stackhouse. I mean, I haven't really looked at other coaches because I honestly think there's almost nothing wrong with Alvin Gentry, but yet we've got to think he's not going to be allowed to continue. He may be given a role within the front office, somewhere else within the organization, simply because of the failures. You know, it, it's just that look, you've got to move on from there as well. But let's let's give it a shot. with we'll see somebody a little bit tougher, a little bit harder, because this organization, you let a guy like Anthony Davis come in, he, he was a little bit soft, And the team kind of seemed to follow suit. So get somebody harder at the top, not Monty Williams, but somebody who's more attuned to the players, to today's NBA. Jerry Stackhouse seems like a good guy.
0: All right, Kevin, this is from both Ah Bravo and Finn. Uh, Favorite new GM and maybe head coach targets and what GM fits better in Nola's future, Kevin? Well,
3: I think we should start with a president. That's what I think. Um, I agree. I like Mike Zarin a lot, but I think because he's turned down the Philly offer, you need to give him a bigger promotion. Maybe make him president and then get a GM underneath. Guys, I like. I like. Uh, but also, another president I like a lot is Sharif Abdul Rahim, who spent a lot of time in personnel, but also is the president of um, the G League. So he's keen on both business dealing sides that a president has to do and personnel decisions. Um, and then I like Sachin Gupta. Um, in Houston. He used to be in Toronto. Um, he's a real analytics guy. And then coaches, I like Stackhouse and I like Becky Hammond. I I like, I mean, Becky Hammond, I like her a lot. I think with Drew Holiday as the face of this organization, uh, having the first female coach with our female owner Mm -hmm. also would be great, you know, and I, I think it'd be, uh, something that's very marketable, but I also think she's a very good coaching candidate. I think she was a very good player. Um, and I think the locker room would really respect her, and um, and I think that would be a good way to go. But I also really like Jerry Stackhouse.
0: Uh, we've done this one a lot, so let's keep this under 30 seconds. Ollie from the Dominator will this affect trade offers in regards to Anthony Davis?
1: The saga, no, not at all. We always knew that the summer was going to be boon or bust, and it's going to be just that. You're going to have Boston enter the discussions. You're going to have New York Knicks or whoever lands the first round pick. You're going to have whatever teams that fail in the playoffs, maybe Toronto with Maasai. There's a lot of general managers who are kind of on the hot seat or just aggressive in nature, but they're going to want to make a deal after they fail in this upcoming postseason. So there's going to be even so much more competition for Anthony Davis' services than what we saw before the trade deadline, which was really the Lakers and not much else.
0: Kevin, this is from Casey Rogers. With the Demps firing, what does the timetable until day one of next season look like? What should the Pelicans be focusing on? I'm gonna narrow this a little bit for you. When do you think the Pelicans, or should I say, if, if and when the Pelicans hire a new general manager, um, other than Danny Ferry, when do you think that would occur?
3: Uh, I mean, I think you make it till the end of the season, but right as the season ends, you're gonna start looking to interview people. Um, I think. Like I said, I really think they need to hire the president first and then let them choose the GM and then evaluate the coaching staff from there. Um, But I think you just ride out the regular season with Danny Ferry and then start the interview process very heavily right after that.
0: All right, Grub is back, and it's perfect because I have a question specifically for him. Uh, we're doing a speed round right now, Grub. so let's keep our answers short. Crescent City Connect asks, I would like Grubb to expand on what he thinks of Zion and also explain to the masses how Ja Morant is a much better get for the Pelicans right now.
2: I don't think Morant is a much better get. Um, I am just slightly uh, ahead of, I put Morant just slightly ahead of uh, Zion for this reason. The wow. concern I have. Hey, the <laughs> concern I have with Zion is that he's a six foot seven, two hundred and eighty five pound power forward who has a questionable jump shot and a questionable handle. In the NBA, can he get his own shot and can he defend his position? Those are the two questions I have. In a Western conference where every team outside of Phoenix has a legitimate starting point guard, if you get a starting point guard to put along Drew Holiday, I think you immediately make yourselves competitive, while the curve for Zion may be a little bit longer. So that is my position, and I think that is a reasonable position.
0: Well done, David. Right in the in the pocket of the timetable I allotted you. All right, Ali, uh, this is from Finn the Human. How ironic is it that the wing we've been looking for was on our roster all along in Kenrich Williams? And let me uh, let me expand upon that a little bit. Do you think that Kenrich has starting level potential as a small forward in the 2019-20 season? Ooh.
1: My heart says yet. My head says no. Um, we have seen Kenrich do a whole bunch of things, guys, ever since he's been given big minutes. His hustle is something we have died for outside of Drew Holiday, really. I mean, this guy, and we talk to him almost every night after every game, and he's the most laid-back guy, and he just says – that's what I do. That's what I'm going to do. That's like my job, you know? So it's not like it's even a question for him, on whether he should be doing this type of stuff, hustling for rebound, helping drew holiday, defend Russell Westbrook and Paul George, you know, he just does this, does these things. So that's great. What I worry about is true. Does he have that potential to be a starter in this league? And you've got to be able to do just more than that. You've got to be able to be able to get your shot off or you've got to be able to play make for others. There's got to be something else that you do offensively that really sets you apart. And right now he doesn't have that. I know he's had some glimpses. He's hit some threes. He, he puts up some points. He'll play, make, he'll find a few guys. He'll find a few cuts where he gets some easy layups, but that's not enough to be a starter in this league. You've got to be able to do those type of things consistently. And Lord knows, I know he's trying his heart out that, that, that is his goal, but can he get to it? I don't know. I mean, you've got to think, this guy was undrafted. A lot of teams passed over him. The Denver Nuggets said basically, no, we're going to take our chances and say goodbye to you in the summer league. That's when the Pelicans jumped on him. I know for a fact there were a lot of other teams interested in bringing him to a training camp. The Pelicans got lucky, or whether they simply made the best offer, but they landed him. So regardless of that, can he basically build on that? And I don't know. I want to believe in that because it's a great story. But again, Preston, honestly, you've got to think no, because think of how many small forwards that are starting in this league, how many come back, uh, come from a background like his.
0: All right. Hot Pelicans take. Thank you for the questions. As always, sir. He says, is Alvin Gentry the head coach in 2020? And I think we've covered that one pretty much at length is we expect that he might be back. However, it, would probably be in a more consultant type capacity. Uh he's obviously served the franchise nobly. And I think they'd keep they'd seek to reward him in some capacity should the incoming general manager uh not not mesh well with him. Let's see, where are we in our questions? Um, I remember one was from Tejeda. I don't see it in front of me. Here it is. Kevin, how much do you think Dell was at a disadvantage with signing free agents? Because Nola isn't a preferred place to play.
3: I mean that's that's obviously a problem you know we're a small market we don't have I mean I think our fan base is better than what people make it out to be but it is a fan base that gets crapped on a lot by the national media even locally Um, so if a player is aware of these situations um, then they're less likely to sign also you know we don't have a lot of you know, I think it, what energy is our only fortune 500 company. So we don't have a lot of big marketing, uh, you know, they can't make a lot of money off the court locally. You know, they have to rely on national brands coming in. So, you know, that's also a problem where they could go to another market where they have bigger companies that hire them and, uh, and as well as the bigger national things to, to represent them and uh, you know, the spotlight, we shine on them more. And also just because we haven't consistently had a winner, Um, So we're not on national TV all the time, those kind of things. It's just all those things trickle down and hurt. So, yeah, the location is definitely a problem, even though, you know, it's a city that a lot of people want to move to and live in. Um, It's not there yet for a a professional athlete, especially a basketball player. Um, So hopefully we start to change that. Um, But, you know, it it is a disadvantage that you're going to be
0: working from. All right. We're going to do two more questions and then we're going to wrap this up. This one is from both the dominant or they're both questions from the dominator grub. He's asking about Danny Ferry, obviously being elevated to the position of interim general manager today. Uh, He's keeping the seat warm grub for a potential placement going forward. But do you think there's anything he can do this season to earn the job in 2019,
2: 2020? I mean, how could he possibly, what could you accomplish over the next few months that would make, you jump to the front of the line. If he does so, if he does become the gentleman, it would be because he lays out a vision and says, this is what I'm going to do. But there's nothing he can do between now and the end of the season that I see that would make make you go, that's the guy I have to have. Either you believe it and he sold it already, or you're waiting for him to tell you. But he's been around for a year and a half now um, in this role, so I'm sure they're fairly familiar with him. Um, So if they are going to choose him, I don't think – convincing
0: all right I'm gonna skip Ali on this one and I'm gonna go to Kevin uh, because I am pretty certain I know what Ali's response to this question is gonna be it's from Tejeda Kevin seven long seasons uh one playoff victory uh three appearances if you count the two last season Anthony Davis is all but gone will you miss him
3: um you know the sad thing is is I don't think I will um you know I was never really a big Chris Paul fan. I don't, I don't like the way he, I don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking him. Like, I think he's an incredible player, but I just don't like the little cheap little stuff that he does. Like the stop short, let the guy run and back him, And I think he's just kind of an asshole and I don't really like enjoy watching him play. I think he's great. I think he's great to be on the Houston Rockets. Cause that's a team of players that I just can't stand. So like, it's, it's perfect for me that he's there. Um, whereas I really enjoyed watching Anthony Davis play, but the way this whole thing worked out, it just leaves like a bad taste in your mouth, you know? And he's kind of like the guy, like the way he handled things is like, it's like, if you had a, you know, a girlfriend and she cheated on you with the one guy that you just hated from high school and then, and then y'all broke up and then she wanted to, uh, you know, wanted to, she thought that we could still be friends and I think that's how what Anthony Davis thought could be the situation and it's just not you know (laughs) he he did it I don't want to be friends I don't want to hang out with you I don't want to be involved in your drama anymore uh you know I I don't want to deal with all the headaches that you have that you give me um you know give me a low maintenance wonderful person like Drew Holiday that I can enjoy. And a guy like Jason Tatum that wants to be here and wants, wants to be appreciated by us. Like we appreciate him. Um, so I, I don't think I'm going to miss him. Um, I mean, you know, we'll see if we go into total despair, maybe I'll think fondly, but again, like what have we done with him? You know, that's what I've been saying is like, we've had, it's like, do you want a team that has uh, this top five player that chronically underachieved and was frustrating because of the expectation that you should be better than you are, especially when he was surrounded with pretty solid talent. Um, you just it, It's just frustrating. Or would you rather ha- have a team like we have right now where you're watching guys like Kenrick Williams and Frank Jackson uh, play hard and Jaleel Okafor play hard? You might not win, but we weren't really winning consistently before. Uh, But at least the the product is enjoyable. You're not like frustrating as frustrated because that expectation isn't there. And because that top five level player couldn't bring you to where you needed to be. Um, So, no, I don't think I'm going to miss them
0: you guys are on fire today the two main takeaways i took from that answer were i think he's kind of an asshole uh of chris paul (laughs) and cheated on you with the one guy you hated from (laughs) high school uh quick yes or no answers we'll start with ollie does anthony davis play for the pelicans again no easy no rub Nah. kevin no way All right, let's wrap this up. I'm your host, Preston Ellis. You guys can follow me at Preston Ellis, Ali Cosell at Ali Cosell, uh, David Grubb at DM Grubb, and Kevin Berrios at Kevin B for Bounce. Obviously, we've got a lot on the plate. Please, you guys, go over to thebirdrights.com, go over to Crescent City Sports. We are working our asses off this week, so I hope you guys are enjoying the content, and we appreciate you guys taking the time to check it out. Ali, what have you got got churning out this week? Are you taking it (laughs) off? It's All-Star Week. I don't know,
1: man. I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning or whatever. Here's some news, you know, like today's bomb just blew up my world. I don't know about the rest of you guys. I'm pretty sure Davis was blown up, but Preston, I just want to be able to sit back and think about what else to write. Even, you know, I haven't had that chance yet.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, things are hopefully going to get a bit quieter here in the future. Uh, no telling though, David, what do you got working on, man?
2: I'm actually trying to finish a piece um, on, Drew Holiday's um, all-star snub so we can have that ready before the game for folks to read about because there was, it was just a really interesting conversation um, with Drew in the locker room and just with some of his teammates about him not making the game. Um, he should be there, and it's that simple. 30 best players in the league, and there's no reason he's not representing uh, the Pelicans in Charlotte.
0: Word. Kevin, poetic justice if Anthony Davis can't play and Drew Holiday is dubbed his replacement. Love it. Uh, I'm burning candles right now for that to Um I
3: uh if you're asking me what I'm working on, I've been working on working like nonstop because my partner in season tickets hurt his back. So I've been covering all these shifts for him. So it's been Making frustrating. It's been a couple of frustrating days for me because I'm at work and my phone's blowing up with woge bombs or the game like I couldn't watch the game last night and then I see Anthony Davis leaving early and all this stuff. So I can't wait till Sunday will be my first day off in a while. And I hope that I can sort of catch up on things. And there's something I do. I want to write a, a case for Sharif Abdurrahim being uh, president of basketball operations. So I'm going to try to get on that because I, I'm really interested in his prospect in that position. Um, so hopefully I can get into that on Sunday. Obviously, I'm going to watch the All-Star game. Um, but if I can get some of it done, leg work done. but next couple of weeks you know now we're entering mardi gras so my life is just ridiculous right now Yeah,
1: but kevin if you can't do that i can guarantee you can be a legitimate uh minority shareholder
0: (laughs) 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 all right that's enough uh thank you guys so much for hanging here with us if you do enjoy what you're hearing please once again do us a favor retweet this like it tell your friends about it share it anywhere you can rate us on itunes we appreciate all your help in closing Ali, is there anything you'd like to tell our listeners? I want to say
1: honestly to the legitimate Pelicans fans, thank you. Thank you for sticking through this. Thank you for seeing through the bullshit. And there's a ton of you guys on Twitter that interact with me, that I follow, that you guys follow me. And then we just know what's the truth and what's not. And then through all this, thick or thin, that we have almost, you know, seen eye to eye. And so, thank you for all that, because this—that's what this fan base needs. You need to have just just some kind of semblance of of a legitimate uh, base, and that's what I, I see. I feel like we see. So th- th- there's good hope that you know what we're going to survive all this, and then we're going to be back better than ever.
0: Who would have thought? All we needed was Anthony Davis as an enemy to unite all of our platforms.
3: <laughs> I don't know if you guys said this yet. Also, I want to pour one out for our relationship with Anita Demps because yeah. she's been great through all of this and she's uh, really smart and funny and she's always been a pleasure to communicate with. So I'm going to miss that. And, you know, she posted today something about her. I forgot the exact wording of it, but like now it her- was unleashed unleashed. So I, I, I enabled the notifications for any she tweets because I can't
0: wait to see what comes next. All right, grab parting shots.
2: <sighs> <laughs> I wish I had some way to summarize what this has all been like. I mean, you know, this is in the in the grand scheme of things, this is just sports, but this is also our work and our passion. Um, and it's been exhausting in a great way, um, and also in a frustrating way, um, because of what you deal with. But yeah, this is, you know, I I think this has been exciting for all of us because. I have not interacted with more, with more Pelican fan. I have interacted with more Pelicans fans over this past couple of weeks than I had in the entire years that I've been covering this team. And it's just gotten better. Even with all the noise from people from the rest of the country who don't understand what's going on here and with this team and this city. Um, it's just been an outstanding and, and just really reaffirming um, sense of just community uh, behind this team. So that's a great thing going forward, like Ollie said, to, to, that there is some hope and that that you feel like they could do it right this time. Hopefully we're just, you know, not walking back into an abusive relationship. But um, I'm optimistic and, and I'm just thankful for everybody who supported what we've been doing.
0: All right. Thank you guys for listening. Let's go, pals. Thank you for listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net and Up and Under podcast networks. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today.
4: And all your guests have to share one plate and one fork, but you're convinced that less stuff means more freedom. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help protect the overly minimalist broom closet you call home. Call GEICO and see how easy it is to switch and save on condo insurance. Your home is important. That's why GEICO helps make it easy to save on condo insurance. Because home is more than just a place. Home is where you took minimalism too far because there's only one chair in your entire condo and your only entertainment is one card. Not even a deck of cards, but a single card. And all your guests have to share one plate and one fork, but you're convinced that less stuff means more freedom. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help protect the overly minimalist broom closet you call home. Call GEICO and see how easy it is to switch and save on condo insurance.